Hi everyone! I hope everyone's summer has been going great so far, as I'm definitely enjoying my all-time favorite season. A huge thanks to all of you guys for tuning in to today's episode. I am so excited to chat with you guys specifically about the organ donation process and what it entails for you, future organ donors. If you have not registered for organ donation and are considering, you are also welcome to stay tuned for this episode to learn more. So what exactly am I going to be covering, you may ask? I will be talking about the most important events involved when becoming a donor. I will cover important information and research that I've done for you so you will know what to expect when the day comes. So without further ado, let's get started. It's your host, Maya, and I'm so excited to chat with you all today. My podcast, Organ Donation Heroes, serves as a vessel to spread awareness about organ donation, interview those who have been impacted by organ donation, share important information you should know about, and lastly, encourage my audience to join the community of heroes. If you have any questions, make sure to check out my website, www.organdonationheroes.com, for more information and my Instagram page, at Organ Donation Heroes. It is never too late to become a hero today. Without further ado, let's get the show started. Okay, so I'm going to be taking you guys kind of like step by step, but really just procedures that are necessary to be taken. Of course, everyone's situation will be different, but this is just basic, what I've gathered, what's most likely going to happen to you if you choose to become an organ donor today. So the first quote-unquote step, even though it's not anything to do with organ donation, it's more about saving your life and basically what happens in an emergency. But when you look on websites, they're going to include this step when they talk about the process as a whole. So first step includes, like, let's say you're driving, you get in a car crash, boom, the emergency vehicles come to save your life, the EMTs rescue, they call the doctors and say, hey, make a room open, you know, all of those many steps. I really don't know, right? I'm only 17, never been in a hospital, never been in this. I've been in a hospital, but not necessarily the situation, right? So they eventually go to the emergency room. And here is a common myth where it comes to, into play. And I'm sure you guys have heard of it if you've listened to my earlier podcast episode where I address myths. People say that the EMTs or whoever is trying to save your life will not try as hard to save your life if they know you're a registered organ donor. And I'm sorry, that's just not true. I went into details in this in my earlier podcast episode. Go ahead, check it out. I will link it below. But it's not true because hence the name emergency, they only care about your life right now. And that's why I don't think it's necessary to include this event in this process because right now they are not even seeing if you're eligible for organ donation. They don't know if you're a registered organ donor. They're just trying to save your life. So the first step, even though I don't count this, is you just getting hurt, being an emergency, taken to the hospital. Okay, so let's say hypothetically you're now hurt, we said, and now you're transferred to the ICU. A doctor is going to perform special tests to see how damage has been, how much damage has been done to the brain. If certain results of the test indicate brain damage, then the patient is officially declared dead. And then leading on, this is where the quote-unquote organ donation process actually starts, in my opinion, because the first few steps was just seeing what's going on, what life-saving procedures can be taken, 
are you brain dead or not? So this is organ donation. So this step is seeing if you're eligible for organ donation. So the organization of medical practitioners who evaluate if the patient is medically suitable for organ donation are called OPOs or the Organ Procurement Organization, which you may or may not have heard. So they perform these tests, right? Let's say, congratulations, you're hypothetically eligible. What happens next? Authorization through your family. So the doctor proceeds to discuss with the patient's family about their death and cause. After, someone from the OPO, which we've discussed, talks to the family about organ donation. If the patient was a registered organ donor, hint, hint, hopefully you guys, then the process is explained to the family and an OPO counselor answers any questions about the organ transplantation process. After all, it is already hard enough losing a loved one, and the organ donation process can become very complex for many families. However, if the patient was not a registered organ donor, then the family has the opportunity to decide whether or not they want the patient to become an organ donor. So please educate your families about this matter because you guys can become heroes one day. If you're not already registered for organ donation, your family can basically make that choice for you. Right, so let's say, yes, you're gonna, you're eligible, and now you can donate your organs. What happens next? Placement. And this is actually where, excuse me, it gets really tricky. And this is where UNOS, where we're gonna talk about, comes into place. So this is, quote unquote, the placement step. Okay, so just to make it, less complex, let's look at some factors that they would look for when they're placing you and matching you with a specific recipient that would work best. So they look at the donor's blood type, your height, your weight, the hospital zip code, and other data that are entered into the UNOS, or United Network of Organ Sharing, which is a national computer system to begin the organ allocation process. So this whole system can basically match different donors from out of state as well. So for instance, when I interviewed Ms. Candace Monroe, another one of my earlier podcast episodes, she lived in Ohio at the time. However, her donor did not live in Ohio whatsoever. She actually lived in Indiana, but they found that she was the best match for her. So second, let's say they find the best match, right? Second, the donor is taken to an operating room where the surgical process begins. So prior to the surgical removal of the organs, each organ is flushed free of blood with a specially prepared ice-cold preservation solution that contains electrolytes and nutrients. I won't break down the chemical formulas, I know, very confusing, but just basically what they're filled with. And then following this, the organs are placed in sterile containers, packaged in wet ice, and transported to the recipient's transplant center. That's basically kind of like the basics. Like I mentioned earlier, it can be different for everyone, but this is basically what you're going to expect, right? It's not super complex, but I'm sure there's more to it. And you're basically done. You've given your organ to someone, hopefully you know's found a match, and ta-da, you're a hero. So let's talk about more about after this whole process, like the funeral, the follow-up, the letters, and the connections that are made from here on out. So let's start with the funeral. After the organ donation process, the donor is taken to a funeral home. The OPO works closely with a funeral director to honor the donor and donor's family's wishes. Keep in mind that an open casket funeral is possible after organ donation. 
This is also another myth that is addressed in my earlier episode where people believe that an open casket isn't available for organ donors, which isn't necessarily true, and I'm not sure how that came to be, but that is a common myth. Lastly, I'm going to be mentioning the follow-up that happens, and personally, this is my favorite part because it goes to show that not only does organ donation actually save your life physically, but it creates these beautiful emotional connections, and I get really excited talking about this. So following a few weeks after the organ donation, the OBO will send a letter to your donor's family. The letter contains information about which organs transplanted. However, it will not expose the names of the recipients because they do like to keep it confidential. However, the recipients are more than welcome to reach out to the donor's families if they wish to. So, for example, with Ms. Candace Monroe, she took the initiative to reach out to Chuck, her donor dad, and create this beautiful relationship with them. It's truly amazing. Not only does she get to live on with this beautiful heart, but she also found this beautiful relationship with Chuck, and they constantly talk to each other. I mean, I've met him, and I think he's amazing. But otherwise, when we're talking about the organ donation process, this is where recipients can reach out to their donor families, meet up, you know, talk. However, there is, like, some rules about the communication of donor families and recipients. I did leave a link on my blog where I actually wrote about the organ donation process if you're interested, right? But there are some guidelines. It's not terribly strict, right? It doesn't keep you from, you know, creating a great relationship like you would like. But oh, other than that, it's great. And that's basically the organ donation process where all the magic takes place simplified in my terms and all the research that I've done for you guys to learn more about this process. Once again, thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I always love to hear and see you guys reach out to me and comment more ideas or email me any ideas you have for the next episode, anything that you're curious to know. I would love to address any questions that you guys have. And until next time, bye guys!